Good morning, cricket fans! <laughs> that is going to deafen everyone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Get going, it's fine, good. Sorry, everybody. That was an homage to one of my favourite actors, Robin Williams, and Good Morning Vietnam. I'm not sure if he ever listened to a cricket podcast before or watched a cricket game, so, but that's one that goes out to Robin. Hi, I'm Andrew Lush. And I'm a performance analyst and this podcast is aimed at me getting better at speaking about cricket and just chatting through about stats in an open way and talking through with my brother, Tom, (laughs) about the statistical world of cricket. So Tom, how are you doing this week? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. It's certainly not cricketing weather here, so it's good to, to hear about the cricket that's going on down under at the moment. Obviously... World Cup going on and the BBL, which we've been speaking about, the WBBL. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot has been going on in this week in the WBBL. So I ha- we're going to kick off, going to change up the format a little bit, and we're going to kick off with Stat of the Week. Now, I had originally planned to do a Stat of the Week around the incredible career of Meg Lanning. But then a couple of things happened. One, the, Aus- the South African young gun, um, Brevis, who has been signed up last year, for the IPL franchise, the Mumbai Indians, in his home domestic competition, scored 162 or 57 balls. An incredible knock that went viral all over social media. Now, that was on the the 31st of October. And then I was like, okay, so we've had a good week. Maybe nothing else explosive is going to happen. No, the WBBL decided to absolutely flabbergast us and the young player Tess Flintoff decided to hit 51 of 16 balls with six fours and three sixes. Absolutely incredible striking. She saw Brevis's innings and thought, you know what? I could go out and do that in my own T20 backyard. And so her strike rate ended up at the end of the end of the game on 318, smashing all kind of records. Yeah, and to be fair, that sort of strike rate must be very similar to Brevis's strike rate. Absolutely. Uh, I haven't got it written down, but off the top of my head, the strike rate of Brevis was around about 280 by the time he finished his innings. So two incredible knocks by young, exciting cricketers and great happening, a lot happening all over the T20 landscape, not just in the World Cup. A lot happening there as well. But that is something we will potentially look at and cover in later podcasts. Now, we're just going to shoot straight on into our introduction. And we're going to look at our young guns and, oh, sorry, our young guns and our past game changers. Thomas, can you remind the audience who they were? No. Uh, no yes, you? I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> no, yes, I can. Oh, yeah. Go on. Uh, for goodness sake. Um, this is a bit mean, everyone. <laughs> this is very mean. Um... What was her name? Right, I'll give you a hint. Australian yeah, no, legend. No, Australian legend, yeah. Obviously, can't think of her, though. Okay, maybe a West Indian legend. Still in, still batting, getting into her form. It's not Deandra Dotting. Deandra Dotting for no, the strikers. That was first week. That was first week, but we're, I'm, I'm doing a quick roundup of all our, um, all our game changers and young guns. And then as we go on... I'm going to not do as many roundups of players we have already covered, but at the end of the series, at the end of the WBBL, we'll do an episode where we look back at all the young guns and 
the game changers and see how they got on throughout the tournament. So we'll have a big old look back. So this is probably one of the last week to week look backs that we have throughout the um, throughout our podcast episodes. Elise Perry. Elise Perry. <laughs> there we go. The Sydney Sixers. Elise Perry. So do you remember our, both our young guns that we've looked at so far? Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, let's say just a message from work. <laughs> do you don't remember are you two no, young guns no. they are both the browns not related darcy brown and maitland brown so two young quicks so we were going to record this podcast just before um the strikers versus the Sixers game a couple of i think it's about a week back and i watched the game and i was just like only one of my three potential people I talked about on the podcast actually fired. With Darcy Brown bowling very fast, she had an economy of the game in the game of 4.25. And with three wickets, including Elise Healy and Perry, in two balls. So yeah, she had a very good game out. And, and got your game changer out first ball. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. I was ecstatic when I saw that Darcy Brown had taken the wicket. But then I looked across and I was like, oh, she's taken Elise Perry out for a duck. Oh, that's not great for me. Couldn't have, couldn't have been better. So, so Darcy Brown is still in form, having a great time. But in that game, Deandra Dotton was so unlucky. She got run out, backing up in the game which is absolutely absolutely unfortunate probably the worst way to get out in cricket i reckon like mancads are pretty bad mancads is bad but then you have at least have someone to blame yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You have someone it's to just get, so get your aggression out but being run out of the non-strikers end there's there's a bit of there's a little bit of skill i'm sure the bowlers out there will say there's a little bit of skill tipping it back onto the stumps yeah but you just have that sinking feeling for any batter because there's a lot of luck in it so she was run out at the non-strikers end, but in her time at the strikers, she's still been struggling. But she has delivered some good innings. She scored the other day a 50 and really kind of progressed them into the game. So hopefully towards the back end of the middle end and the back end of the tournament, she can produce more innings like that. And then we move on to Maitland Brown and Perry. Now in that game, they had one wicket between them and they had... Perry had an economy of 11.3 and Maitland Brown had a, an economy of 9. <laughs> so I was not feeling too great about my predictions for great players. But since then, Maitland Brown and Darcy Brown have still been, both the Browns have been bowling really kind of aggressive, exciting bowling. Really good for the Australian fans out there and really good for their respective teams. Dottins took two wickets the other day against the Melbourne Stars, so her bowling is coming in there, but she's still struggling with a bat on. She's still kind of trying to find her form in Australia, so I really wish her all the best, and I think she's going to come good at some point in this tournament. It just is a matter of, will it be too late for to actually to make a run for, that, for those final spots? What about the Browns' bowling has been particularly exciting? So you've said it's exciting, but how can you sort of like back that up? It's been exciting because both of them have bowled in crucial periods of the game. I think Maitland Brown has bowled a little bit all over, but Darcy Brown especially, she bowls in the power play. She bowls first up against the 
best batters in the opposition in the top five and she's been taking wickets and she's been bowling aggressive she has an aggressive short ball which has been surprised some players and got them in sticky situations and sticky positions when they're batting and she also has just a lethal outswinger that can potentially knock over the best of players nice and to lastly uh we'll recap on perry She's had a solid campaign. She has been in a very strong batting lineup with the Sydney Sixers, which has supported her, which I think is really good for her kind of coming back into form. We're still with that bowling injury that she's kind of still nursing. We don't know if it's still hurting her and still kind of working out. But so she's been solid with the bat, but still struggling a bit with the ball. Her average is quite a high 52.50 and an economy of 10.5. So still trying to find her way back into that legendary epic form that a lot of Australia know her for and a lot of Sydney Sixers fans. They have a lot of players going well for them, for example, Maitland Brown for one, and they want their kind of the queen of the Sixers back in elite form in both her batting and her bowling. So we're kind of, I'm sure a lot of Sydney Sixers fans out there will be wanting Perry to kind of bring those economies down and get and take some more wickets. Which of the teams are the teams dominating WBBL at the moment then? So, Sixers have to be the the um, outrunners. We'll talk about them beating the Sydney Thunder in the Sydney, I think it's called the Sydney Bash, or it, uh, someone's going to say it's, I've, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's the, I think it's the, maybe the Sydney Shake-Up. I'm not sure, <laughs> I think both of them are wrong, but the, uh, yeah, we progress. The match between the Sydney Sixers and the Sydney Thunder and they beat them and then went top of the table, so clear, with a really experienced coach, Charlotte Edwards, seemed to be getting the real best out of the, a really young and exciting group, but then they also have the wisdom and, and the knowledge of the tournament from Erin Burns and Susie Bates, absolutely seasoned campaigners for various different franchises. So yeah, those are our kind of players that we've looked at so far and our stat of the week. So we'll kind of, oh, it's a stat of, stat of the pod. Uh, (laughs) If you listen to the last episode, Podstat, our Podstat. We weren't sure on the name yet. I like Podstat. Podstat's good, I think. It it explains it and it means when we do put an episode out, it doesn't have to be weekly. (laughs) And now we move on to our game changer of the week. And this week I've selected Alana King right up there with the world's best leg spinners sorry about that with the world's best leg spinners at the moment she's playing for the perth scorchers at the moment and she was very vital in their campaign last year when they won the wbbl it was her first season with the scorchers having moved from the melbourne stars the for that season so thomas what do you know about alana king i know that she absolutely tore you a new one In the hundred. Yes, uh, I about to say, she absolutely ran riot at Emmett's Old Trafford. We had restricted Trent Rockets to a reasonable total, we thought, on the on a quite um, good deck. So our batters went in and Alana, we were going okay, going steadily. And then Alana King decided to take a hat-trick. The yeah. first hat-trick <laughs> of the women's hundred against the Manchester Originals. And I was just looking on and I was like, well... That's sick. What a way to start the tournament. And um, it yeah. did, it could have been, well, it it wasn't in the end, but there was a cry on the fourth delivery 
for a LBW against Ellie Thraukeld, but they did had already used their review. And also Ellie assured the team in the dressing room that after the match, she'd absolutely whacked into her pad. So it wouldn't be of given being given out, but I did think, oh, this is a, has a little bit of esque of when the Australians needed a review in that Ashes game against Ben Stokes. So I, I kind of felt a little bit of um, justice as well for, for, for that. But then again, we lost the game. She played incredible. She batted very well. And for the Trent Rockets, she was an absolute winner for them. So out of the, in the 100, she took seven wickets at an economy of 0 0.90 per ball and at an average of 16.7. So an incredible performer for the Trent Rockets who narrowly missed out in the Eliminator against the Southern Brave, who then went on to play in the final against the Oval Invincibles. So they were right up there in the tournament. And if Nats, Nat Siver made a really good late charge in that game against Southern Brave, that really scared them. She needed four off the last delivery, I think, after hitting consecutive boundaries, the two deliveries before, and they just missed out. And it was so close, and many Nottingham fans were obviously head in hands but they did okay in the men's tournament because they then beat the Manchester Originals in the final so <laughs> the Trent Rockets have been the scourge of many Manchester of both Manchester teams and Alana King on that day in the first day of the hundred it was scorching wasn't it Thomas you were in the crowd I was I was I filmed the hat-trick ball oh mm. <laughs> uh, maybe the fuck up well I filmed one I think I mean the first one I think I filmed my dad saying Come on, Manchester! And as I panned to the pitch, Alana King began her romp of the of the Manchester Originals batting lineup. But no, she she was the difference at the end of the day. Like full stop, she was the difference with the bat as well. As you say, like made, made a very good contribution down the order, hit some very vital boundaries. Yeah. Um, she'd guys done a brilliant job of restricting them actually in the first half of the game, mm. and then no, she she was fantastic and definitely a difference maker. How's she been getting on in the BBL so far? So in the WBBL, she has been a consistent performer for the Perth Scorchers this year. With eight wickets, their second highest wicket taker, and an economy of 5.31. So a below a runner ball economy. She's just great for squeezing teams in when they need to actually be kicking on in those phases of the game. She also has a bowling strike rate of 16.5. So for every 16.5 deliveries, she's taking that vital wicket and she's getting the Scorchers into really good positions. As you mentioned, on that day at Emirates Old Trafford, she hit some vital boundaries at the end of the innings and she's carrying that on and she's really progressing her batting, I feel. She's becoming that player that actually can deliver some really key vital boundaries and runs at the end of an innings that can really hurt bowling units when they want to just finish the game, plow through the lower middle order and into the tail. She can be a real thorn in some some team's sides. So in the WBBL, she's got a boundary percentage of 16 and she also has a high score of 29 not out. So finishing off the innings for the Scorchers again. So a solid batter and probably want to be watching out for bowling sides when they're wanting to finish off their innings and they think, oh, it's just Alana King come to the crease. Well, she can hurt you and she can definitely hurt you with the ball as well. What So boundary percentage, is that every, so that percentage, so 16 balls out of 100, she'll hit a boundary? Yes, theoretically. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. out of her, so it's out of 100, obviously a percentage. 
it's basically how many boundaries she's hit divided by the number of balls that she's um, faced times by 100 to get your percentage. So, yeah. So, your higher boundary percentage in the women's game is probably... If you're looking at a boundary percentage of a middle-order player, just off the top of my head, if you're hitting 15% or 16%, that's pretty good. And your top, your lower orders who are wanting to strike those bigger bigger boundary counts probably less high averages but then also hitting a boundary percentage of maybe if you're going 25 plus no 20 plus you've got a good you're hitting boundaries on a regular basis and if you can tie that up with maybe a a 20 average you're a really destructive player down on paper so a team looking at recruiting you would say yep okay they know how to find the boundary in those tricky moments maybe lower down the order so like your classic example there before she got promoted up the order this year in your 100 team would be Sophie Eccleston yes absolutely so Sophie Eccleston in our Manchester Originals team is very much someone who can finish off an innings so she's finished off against the Welsh Fire she had a really good last couple of overs where she was striking the ball really hard down the innings she hasn't done it too much from my research for the Sydney Sixers but she definitely has that ability to hurt teams at the back end and she has those long levers she's a she's a tall woman and she has those long arms and she can really power through the ball and hit long hard sixes down the ground yeah so for those those finishes like Alana King Mm. Sophie Eccleston you're looking at not not necessarily average but Mm. more boundary percentage actually more an important stat really Absolutely. It's commonly been said that T20 cricket is more of a team game than test match cricket. If those lower order players, they don't have to have a high average, but they might only get five or seven balls at the back end of an innings. Now, if they can convert those five or seven balls into boundaries or into twos, they can really be aggressive. And if they have those high strike rates, high boundary percentages, they can be deadly at the end of an innings to really affect bowling teams. Now we're going to move on to our young gun of the WBBL or this week on the Catch It podcast. Now our young gun this week, I've selected Georgia Vol from the Brisbane Heat. Now Tom, what would your ideal young gun have? Your ideal top order young gun, what would they kind of look like, do you reckon? If just a couple of words that come to mind. Power hitter. Power hitter, absolutely. Um, three, 360, play all around the wicket. 360, those are definitely definitely words that come around the young modern players of today. And Georgia Vol has definitely got power down the ground. She's an aggressive player that bats in the top order for Queensland women's team as well as the Brisbane Heat women's team. She has had a great start to the WNCL, the women's domestic competition, the 50 over domestic competition. And she is now in her first couple of games for them. She has averaged 46.75. Now, this is in a domestic team that has four players averaging over 60. So, an incredible batting unit there. And so, some would say maybe, oh, looking at averages, she's flown under the radar. About to say, But she has a top score of 145 in the early rounds of that competition. With the third highest strike rate in the squad of 82.37 in that squad sounds impressive yeah she's a very impressive player and she's she's looking to make that step up in the wbbl she's in a very strong team with the brisbane heat and she's moved from what i've seen she's moved around a bit 
in that Brisbane Heat top order. So they're probably still trying to chop and change to see where she fits her in around the, the types of Georgia Redmayne, Amelia Kerr and Grace Harris. So where she fits in that top order is really important for, for the Brisbane Heat and it's going to see where she progresses. Is she going to progress more of an, as an opener or is she going to go back into those maybe slightly holding roles where she can accelerate during the middle and the latter phases of the game? Where do you think that she should play? I haven't watched a lot of her games live for the WNCL as <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. It's a shocking time to watch watch cricket when <laughs> you're, you're not exactly getting up at the middle of the night. So I've watched a couple of the highlights and I think she looks suited to that opener role. I think she looks like she can play those aggressive shots, aggressive, probably more traditional shots. But I have seen some footage of her also trying the ramp shot and stuff. So she could progressively have that just butler-esque feel to her she can play the funky shots the more modern shots but then also she can drive through the covers she can drive down the ground aggressively and for a 19 year old there are a lot of really good signs for her to really progress her career and progress onto definitely australia she could she's definitely been in the the forefront of selectors for the young australian sides and unfortunately has just missed out on qualification for the under-19 World Cup that will happen in January in South Africa. So she just missed out on qualification because she was born in September and the cutoff was in August 31st. So a lot of players who are playing in that World Cup will think, oh gosh, thank gosh that the Australians don't have one of the best under-19, the best under-19 players, Georgia Vol in that team. Well, that's definitely some a couple more players to be looking out for and I'm looking forward to summarising how they got on. Hopefully, with the bat anyway, you don't curse them like you've cursed the last two. I hope so. Like I really last, do. The last crop of players. So hopefully, we can talk about your young guns or game changers making some runs for once. Yep, absolutely. Georgie Vole has definitely bat been batting very positively. She's got an average of 31.40, a strike rate of 115, and a boundary percentage of 14 after seven matches. So really good solid start for her in the WBBL. I hope she kicks on in that middle phase and towards the end for the Brisbane Heat to really surge to all those final places. Now, this is a new segment on the Catch It podcast. Tom, can you guess what this segment is going to be about? No. Uh, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> think, think about what team I personally support. The Thunder. The Sydney Thunder. Yes, it's the Thunder Minute. Now... The Thunder Minute is going to be a bit rainwashed at the moment because the Sydney Thunder are not doing too great. After two after five matches, they've had two matches washed out and two losses and the only the one win. It's frustrating as a Thunder fan because they do have promise. A lot of their bowlers seem to be bowling really well with sub-six economy rates, but they just don't seem to be getting those high scores from their batters that they need to be pushing teams in, in games and it, it's really upsetting well it also sounds like they haven't really been able to get any like consistency mm, obviously having games washed out and stuff like form is so important and actually getting a good run at, and you know just actually feeling bat on ball is so important they obviously haven't been able to do that absolutely and form is definitely what this team needs and just a bit of a run of string of games where they can pick up some momentum they do have a lot of talent for example the off spinner smith has taken nine wickets in eight games they also have international talent like tammy beaumont and amy jones but the problem is only one of their batters have averaged over 30 
and a, with a strike rate of 120. So they're really struggling for A, aggressive and fast scoring runs and B, runs and players to average good scores. Now, one bright spark for the Sydney Thunder is the Australian Phoebe Litchfield, the left-handed top order batter who can really start to give them a bit more consistency she's got two 50s in the competition already and if she can bring a bit of order and domestic skill and just a bit of consistency in her run of form maybe they can build some partnerships around her the international form and talent that they have like tammy beaumont can start coming into play they can really start to hopefully put a good run of form together so the captain rachel haynes as well Another domestic legend, recently retired from Australia, has to do has, has a lot to do before she can drag this team from the bottom end of the table to hopefully a mid-table finish, or maybe even if hopefully there's some upsets go our way at the top of the table, maybe even a late run at those all-important top slots. So yeah, that is all from us at the Catch It podcast, Tom. Anything we'd like to say? No, nope. just to summarise, our game changer this episode is... Alana King. Our young gun this episode is... Georgie Ball. <laughs> <laughs> and the stat of the pod, your pod stat... Tess Flintoff. With the no relation to Freddie Flintoff, yeah, the Lancashire legend. But Tess Flintoff scored an incredible 51 of 16 balls with a strike rate of... Let me just scroll to the top. Strike rate of 318. Smashing records. Insane. Thank you very much for listening. See you again soon.